The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. So, uh, welcome to the Buddhist Society of Victoria on this very wet Monday night. <laughs> I'm, I'm amazed so many people made it. <laughs> but I guess in Melbourne, if you're put off by the weather, you never go, never go out. So... And it's quite a change from uh, what we've had before, yes. And not, no hailstones tonight, so that's good. So uh, this evening is the uh, uh, meditation evening, so we have, uh, first of all, a little bit of an introduction to the, good evening, meditation, and then um, we can have uh, the guided meditation for about 45 minutes uh, this evening. And then any... Uh, uh, discussion or comments after after the meditation, and just to introduce myself to those who uh, don't don't know me, my name is Ajahn Nisarino, and I am an Australian monk who ordained with Ajahn Brahm in Perth in 1998. That was my full ordination, so, and have been a monk uh, 22 years now. So, a fully ordained monk for 22 years. And for the last 13 and a half of those years, I have been uh, living in Sri Lanka and visiting Australia so, and uh, meditating in caves and places like that and forest monasteries. So, so this evening, uh, I thought uh, we could, for the theme, I always like to have a theme for the, uh, the meditation. And so this evening, the theme will be um, to have developed the contentment in a smile of I'll, I'll use, and then for to build up the uh, the stillness of the mind, the peacefulness of the mind, samadhi of the mind, and then to turn to some contemplation, uh, like the uh, the insight aspects of the uh, mindfulness meditation, satipatthana. So we can do that after we've developed some strength in the mind. And this is a very important part of the, the meditation, to build up that inner steadiness, that strength of the mind. Um, it's the, we often use the word, uh, the Pali word is bhavana, so this is like cultivation, development. But it can be likened to, uh, in a sense, to building up our strength in a gym or something like that. You know, we do that by exercising the body, exercising the body to develop the uh, muscles, to develop the strength. And also, of course, have to eat the right foods too. <laughs> Doesn't, we have to have uh, a number of causes before we can develop that physical strength. But for mental strength, the important aspect of that is to calm the mind down, to make it steady, to make it... Uh, st as still as possible. We don't make it; it actually happens by itself. We cause the, we create the causes for it to do that, to calm down, to settle down, and develop this uh, inner strength, just like the um, the muscles of the body, but the opposite in a sense, because we we do less and less to build up this inner strength of the mind, and. We are wishing what we are aiming to do is to build up the positive states of mind. These, uh, if we 
create these or if we can bring these up, then uh, the, the mind will settle down by itself. It will calm down. The thing that disturb, disturbs our mind is our minds are the negative states. These the Buddha called the hindrances to meditation. And these are the things that we need to overcome, as it were, by creating the right causes, right conditions for the, uh, for the mind to settle down. And when the mind settles down, it will develop this stillness. And uh, it creates a purity in the mind too. It means when the negativity is not there, the mind is much, much more pure. And Ayakema, one of my teachers, would say, one moment of concentration, she used the word concentration, is one moment of purification. Ajahn Brahm would use one moment of stillness, perhaps. So this is a, an important um, uh, important. Uh, quality to develop in the mind, this mental strength from calming it down. And then we can use the power of the mind. It's very important that we do have some stillness, some steadiness, stability in the mind. Otherwise, we will not see anything other than we usually see. <laughs> As one monk used to say, there'll be an arahant on every qu- or corner, <laughs> every street corner, because we need actually to develop the mind that can stay with things, to can look into things. If there is no steadiness in, in the mind, then it's a bit like, as I often use, me trying to read the clock. <laughs> it's moving all over the place. I probably can just at a, at a you know, quickly, but uh, it's much easier when things become still and then the mind becomes still and then we can look into our experience. And what are the experiences we're looking into? Well, of course, you know, uh, classically we look into the body, we look into the feelings, we look into the mind states or moods, and we can look into the mind objects, those other things we experience in the mind. So these are the areas that we can develop uh, insight into. Once the mind has got some strength, stability, this is possible. But uh, first of all, I'd like to just talk a little bit about uh, how we can, in this, uh, this evening, develop um, the sense of contentment. This is a, a quality the Buddha praised a lot, a lot. And uh, uh, it's this sense of satisfaction, of not needing to go anywhere, not needing to have anything else, of being at home with oneself. Or I often use happy to be here, happy to be here. It's a sense of ease, uh, is this contentment, satisfaction. And this evening I'd like to uh, suggest we use the inner smile, this idea of an inner smile, uh, to bring up that sense of contentment. I like Ajahn Brahm's uh, definition of contentment. He actually uses it for happiness, but it's the same actually for contentment. Contentment is not having what you like, not having what you like. It's liking what you have right here and now. And of course, contentment is the opposite of desire, opposite of craving, So, which always says, ah, in the future, when I get this, when I get that, then I'll be happy. But contentment is saying to us, can be happy here and now, in this moment, any moment. And 
The challenge, of course, is, is when the moment is not pleasant, when, when there are aches in the, and pains in the body, or the mind is not very settled, just to be content, to allow it to settle down. Because when we use contentment, things settle. And it is actually what we are looking for, this sort of inner sense of coming home. And tonight's a very good night for uh, that sense of being at home, being inside, because of the rain, the, the, the weather. It's quite, it gives, promotes this sort of sense of wanting to go inside. Usually our minds, especially when we don't have contentment, going out to look for things, to find happiness through sights, through sounds, through smells, tastes and touches, or thinking about those things. So this is contentment takes us in the opposite direction. It takes us within. And this is where we can find the happiness that we all search for is really in the present moment, in contentment. And it's a, it's a nice sense of balance too. We're not being pulled this way or that way by this wanting, this desires. And we're not being pushed around by aversions, trying to get rid of things uh, or not wanting things. And another thing Arjun Brahm said that's nice is contentment is the fast track to enlightenment. <laughs> that's good, isn't it? Fast track to enlightenment. So, and what we what to plan to do is to use this feeling we can develop from the inner smile. And I've got a few uh, ways we can develop that uh, inner smile, and then to fuse it with a meditation object, the breath. Uh, this evening, as usual, <laughs> to make it more attractive, to make it interesting for the mind. Because this is one of the problems that meditators have. Their minds won't stay with the meditation objects because they're not interested in it. It's not attractive enough. It's not hasn't got such a pleasant feeling to it. And so what we're doing is... Uh, adding that pleasant feeling, the sense of contentment, being happy to be here, um, at home, being at home with ourselves. And in that way, when we use it with the breath, for instance, then it makes it much easier to stay with it. And of course, with some time, once the mind stays with the object of meditation, whether it be the breath, the feet, whatever, or the scanning, it will naturally the mind will start to come together and then this joy and happiness will arise in the mind. This is called pretty sukha. It's a very natural, automatic thing. But before this comes up, before this automatic quality comes up as the mind starts to converge, starts to become one, we can give it the support of developing uh, a positive, uh, attractive quali quality in the mind, like contentment, uh, like thankfulness, uh, like uh, loving-kindness, like compassion. There are many one can develop, actually. And uh, so this inner smile is quite a, is a, is a to me, is a, is, a, is a nice way to develop the meditation. And it reminded me, and I mentioned this when I talk, talk about the inner smile meditation, that Ajahn Brahm's first meditation teacher, uh, suggested to him. I've never heard any meditation teacher suggest this to, to people. Maybe you have. I haven't. That he every morning he get up and he smile at himself in the mirror, and he said, "If you can't smile, if you find that a natural smile 
is not possible for whatever reason, then to use your two fingers <laughs> and then look at yourself in the mirror and then you'll smile, you'll probably laugh actually. And uh, Ajahn Brahm said he practiced this for two years and uh, he said now people say he smiles a lot. But I, I always wondered why a meditation teacher would say that to somebody. And I assume it was because he didn't smile much. Maybe he was a bit intense um, um, and needed to lighten up. Because of course, you know, for the mind to come together, there has to be a, a positive emotion in the mind. This is particularly happiness, we say in the Buddhist teachings. They say happiness is a condition for the mind coming together. And it's very natural. Where the mind is happy, it will want to stay. It's like if you're enjoying yourself wherever, you don't want to go anywhere else. And so it's the same with the mind. If it's happy to be here with a meditation object, and then it can become one-pointed. But it needs that happiness. And I suspect that's why his, Ajahn Brahm's first meditation teacher said that to him. Has anybody had anybody's, any other meditation, heard of any other meditation teacher recommending this smiling at oneself? No, I haven't. I've never heard. You have? Oh, really? Which, do you know the teacher? Yes, yes. Yeah. I know, uh, for instance, uh, um, yes, yes, yeah, Lee Brasington, you know, because they teaching jhana meditation uses that idea of the inner smile, you know. And a number of teachers do use it now. But the idea that you go and smile at yourself in the mirror in the morning, <laughs> I think that's quite interesting, actually. And uh, as I, I, I reflected before, that... You know, uh, I see. I don't know if you have seen, but there's a video of Ajahn, Ajahn which Ajahn Brahm appears in, called Saf uh, "Blue Ro Blue Eyes in Saffron Robes" from 1979, I think it is, and it's on YouTube, so you can you can check it out. And Ajahn Brahm is there, and he doesn't smile once. <laughs> he looks really serious. <laughs> so, uh, one only hopes that he had the inner happiness, you know, his own inner happiness. So. And this is a very important thing, this uh, um, inner happiness, this uh, uh, inner smile for our own happiness. And it also communicates to other people as well. And in fact, Ajahn Brahm said the reason he ordained in the Thai tradition was because the monks at the Thai temple in London smiled the most. <laughs> the other temples, they weren't smiling much, so he wasn't... wasn't uh, um, uh, so attracted to to those traditions, maybe the Burmese are being very serious, and <laughs> I don't know, Sri Lankans, maybe so. And once we have developed that sense of contentment with the meditation object, the breath, and the mind has become steadier and happy, um, hopefully happy, um, because we create the conditions, the causes for happiness to arise. I often say to people. You know, people say they want to be happy, but that's not enough. <laughs> we have to create the causes and conditions for that happiness to arise. And I liken that to somebody who wants to go to Sydney and they haven't got in their car, they haven't gone to the train station, they haven't gone to the the airport. Um, are there other possibilities? But 
They haven't done anything to create the cause for getting to Sydney. Same for us. If we want to be happy, we have to create the causes and conditions for that. And this inner smile is like the ticket to developing contentment if it works for you. And of course, there are many different things that can work for us that can bring up that inner, um, inner smile, that inner contentment, which is uh, one of the causes and conditions for happiness. Then we can uh, um, contemplate, and I thought maybe for 20 or 25 minutes, once we've established a firmness in the mind, a stability in the mind, a steadiness in the mind, then to contemplate on what we're experiencing. And this is, of course, you know, the insight relates to what we're experiencing in our bodies and our minds. So this is the important area for our insight to develop. Because once we have seen into our own bodies and minds, we have got a very, very good idea of what's going on in other people's bodies and minds too. They're, pretty much, they're of a similar nature. So the, in the Satipatthana um, Sutta, this is the uh, Sutta, the Buddha's teaching on mindfulness, he has a refrain which is quite useful to use uh, when the mind is nice and steady and... Uh, so the, and I'll read out um, how we can do this and comment on it as we go before we start the meditation. <laughs> so, and this is from Ajahn Brahm's translation, actually. And in this way, uh, you are aware of your own body. And in this case, it will be the breath. The breath is considered to be an aspect of the body. Um, so this is what will be the main anchor, main focus for the meditation. But it can also be, uh, we can also focus on the feelings that arise, whether they be pleasant, unpleasant or neutral. So when we're breathing, if people have difficulty with their breathing, it'll often they'll experience unpleasant feeling. They will notice that actually. Um, or if the breathing is quite uh, is coming and going quite naturally, then there'll be a neutral tone to it. It won't won't seem unpleasant. It won't seem that pleasant. But of course, when you add contentment to the breath, then that will make should make it uh, very pleasant. One can also be aware of one's own mind states. You know the um, uh, positive mind states or negative mind states. It can be desires in the mind, aversions in the mind, it can be scatteredness in the mind, or it can be the opposite, you know, that the uh, there can be sort of happiness, joy, relaxation in the mind, What, whatever mood, as it were, is in the mind. And then also these mental objects the Buddha is mentioning, like hindrances and and so on. So these are our experiences that we realize, we recognize in terms of Dhamma. So we are aware of our own, same with breath in this case, uh, and we're aware that the breath um, is in other others, uh, is of the same nature as ours. And or we can abide aware of the nature of both our own breath or bodies and others' bodies. So this is like when we are aware that we're breathing in and we're breathing out. We're aware that the breath is here. We're aware of the quality of the breath, of the breath coming in 
uh, pausing and then going out. Um, And with this contemplation, we're aware that, uh, and I'll I'll guide this too, we can ask, you know, uh, who's breathing? Who is breathing? Who, who is breathing? You know, am I breathing? Or is the body breathing? So we can look at, at the, that. And then also to, uh, we can be aware of the fact that others are breathing. But if we, they have to. <laughs> we have to breathe, actually, if we're still alive, of course. And uh, then the Buddha says we can be aware of both, you know, that in the internal experience of our breath and the fact that everybody else is breathing. So it gives rise to this sense of, we say in Buddhism, non-self. It's not a personal thing. The breath is something the body does. The breath is something that all, all living beings have. Um, and that it can be quite a sort of a panoramic experience. So that's the first uh, aspect. Um, and it's really... In, in often in, in this uh, mindful this mindfulness meditation is looking at internally that's our bodies externally other bodies or both internally and externally and I've one of my teachers Aikima used to do a very nice uh, um, I, I should do that actually elements meditation where you look at the hard aspects in the body the bones the heaviness of the body. Uh, all these things, and then you take it into the cushion, you recognize that in the cushion, the floor, and then you go to the uh, the walls all around the uh, building, go to the trees, the roads. All this has the same quality. So it's really relating this body to all other physical aspects of the world. But we won't do that this evening. Maybe next time, that would be interesting, actually. It's a very nice one. And then you do the water element in the body and you do the air element in the body and relate it to the exterior and also the heat element or the fire element, the warmth in the body. And the second aspect of the uh, mindfulness, uh, the insight uh, aspect of the mindfulness teaching by Buddha is to look at, and here's Ajahn Brahm's translation, else abide aware of what causes the arising of the breath. He says here the body, watching the breath arise. It can be also the feelings or it could be uh, the state of mind we're experiencing, mood or mental objects. Or we can abide aware that uh, of, the, of this aspect of the body, the breath ceasing. So it's coming in staying for, uh, pausing for a little while and then ceasing, releasing. Um, and then, or we can abide contemplating the, that this in externally, you know, that other people... Uh, ah, right. No, we can uh, contemplate that it's arising and, and it's passing away, both of them. So we can do either the arising or the passing away or we can do both, you know, we can notice the arising. Most often people notice a rising in their lives, but not so much the passing away of things, which is uh, this quality of impermanence. So we can do that, we can watch the arising, the breath, the passing away of the breath, or both, which is uh, uh, quite natural. 
and then uh, the the Buddha's advice continues, or else mindfulness that there is just a body, we're just experiencing the breath, just that, and uh, it's not <laughs> not my breath, <laughs> not, uh, and uh, then we can also, uh, it's just the body breathing, isn't it? And then we can also experience the feelings uh, or the mental states we're experiencing or the mental objects that are arising. And what do we, we, uh, we're aware of as we were aware of in, with the arising and the uh, passing away of the breath? We're aware of impermanence particularly. Uh, that's one of the things we're aware of. And aware particularly that there isn't... Uh, I am not doing this. This is happening, especially the breath, happening by itself. Um, and the, the Buddha continues, it is established in one to the extent necessary for mindfulness and wisdom. It's uh, right, essential for liberation. That must be Ajahn Brahm. And, and you abide independent, not clinging to anything in the world. That is one way that you are mindful of the body, or in this case, the breath. So I think, are there any comments or questions? So the mindfulness exercises or insights are first to our own bodies, what we're experiencing in our own bodies, and then it can be, uh, then we can also reflect that others are also breathing, uh, or we can reflect that both ourselves and others. So it really gives a whole sense of... Uh, um, being united, actually, in a common experience, common experience, not not uh, a personal one. Or we can look at the arising and the passing away of the breath, or or the feelings, or the mind states. These are the moods, or the mind objects. And then, uh, as the third third aspect, just to be simply aware of the breath, the body, the mind states, the feelings, or, or the uh, dhamma, uh, the objects of the mind, to the extent necessary for continuous mindfulness and knowledge. And that gives rise to this not clinging to anything in the world. And that's uh, definitely somebody <laughs> who has attained a state of enlightenment, actually. That's very nice. Because they can, they've seen impermanence, they've seen uh, unsatisfactoriness and they've seen, which is dukkha, and non-self. So, all right, so any questions before we begin? So let's see how we go with this inner smile um, meditation uh, with this mindfulness, um, insight mindfulness as well. So first of all, if we can find uh, do people, maybe we can just stand up for a minute and then, yeah, good. Just have a...
So the first thing for us is to find a, a comfortable sitting position that won't uh, allow us for the, uh, to, uh, to be settled for the meditation, but allow the body to be as comfortable as possible for the meditation. And uh, placing the hands on the knees or the lap, however one feels comfortable and balanced, and also checking out the head, how the head feels on the shoulders, to feel comfortable and balanced. And we can close our eyes to get in contact with a sense of the body and arranging it as comfortably as possibly possible for, for the uh, meditation. Paying attention to the legs, how they are, the feet. That everything is balanced as much as possible. And we can develop the intention for the meditation to create the condition for contentment to arise using this inner smile with whatever we experience. And the second intention is just to reflect on our experience of the meditation, particularly the breath the feelings, the mind states, and the mind objects that we experience. That will be the second part. And we can visualize the inner smile that we see on many uh, Buddha statues. It's often a, a good place to arouse this inner smile in us, like an echo. Or, you can bring to mind someone's smile that really came from within and touched us. Or we can physically smile, uh, bring a smile to our faces and see if this arouses that inner smile. That sense of uh, being at home with ourselves, being at ease. sort of an inner sense of warmth.
getting in touch with this feeling of the inner smile being inside, coming inside. And we can use this feeling of contentment, of being settled, of being relaxed, being at ease, this inner warmth, to relax the body, starting at the top of the head. And we can move down through our bodies with this warm, relaxed, content feeling. soothing the body as we move our attention from the top of the head down to the tips of the toes, relaxing the body, giving it this warm attention, this warm inner smile. slowly moving through the body, giving it this mental massage. And we can become aware of the whole body sitting here, filling it with this inner smile, this warmth, contentment, happy to be here, just as it is.
experiencing the heaviness of the body, the contact with the cushion, whatever we are aware of in the present moment. Just being here, present, not concerned with what's happened, what may and what may happen in the future. Just to be here with this inner smile, experiencing the present moment, the sounds, the temperature of the air, feelings in the body, whatever we're aware of, with a sense, this inner contentment. Not choosing anything, just as it appears, become, become aware of it. And when we become aware of it, we can 
give attention, give our attention to the breath coming in and out and use this inner smile to breathe in with this inner smile and to breathe out with the warmth of the inner smile just breathing in and breathing out with a sense of contentment nowhere else we want to be just happy to be here now with whatever we're experiencing as we breathe in and breathe out. Making the breath attractive with this feeling, this warm feeling of the inner smile.
And now we can uh, investigate our experience of breathing. Look into how it feels, this breathing. Is it pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral? Am I doing the breathing? Is the body just breathing? We can look into our experience of the body breathing. What is this experience like? And we can be aware, can ask ourselves, are others breathing in the room? Aware of that others are breathing. And being sustained by this breath coming in and going out. that all beings that are alive are breathing in and out. And we can become aware of the fact we are breathing and they are Others are breathing. Everyone is breathing. This oneness of breathing.
So we are aware of the breath internally or externally or both. And we are aware of any feelings that arise with the breath, pleasant, unpleasant or neutral, any mind states we may experience and any mind objects as ways of seeing the breath, seeing the body. can give attention to the arising of the breath, breath coming in, gradually building. We can be aware of feelings in relation to the breath, contact, intention to breathe in, feeling, noticing it arising in our experience. And we can notice that it pauses and then gradually ceases and we can be aware of the feeling of that, the contact of that and maybe the intention and we can see both the arising of the breath, the pause, the ceasing of the breath, the pause and the arising of the breath, watching it coming and going, arising and ceasing. Noticing the change, the impermanence of the breath, that it's happening by itself.
can't be just aware that it's simply aware that this is just the breath, just coming and going, knowing it to the extent necessary for the mindfulness to continue, be continuous. And so we have knowledge of the breath. Just the breath, not my breath, not others' breath, just the breath. And we're just aware of the breath, not clinging to it or to anything else. Just the breath being the breath, not mine, not others, just the breath. Not identifying with it, not owning it not owning anything in the world.
And now we're coming close to the end of the meditation so we can share this energy of the meditation, whatever our mindfulness, understanding, whatever contentment we've developed in the meditation with everyone here, with all beings here in this hall. and expanding it to the surrounding areas, to all the beings, humans, the animals, whatever other beings there are, and expanding it further and further, this wishing, well-wishing for them to develop this more mindfulness in their lives, more contentment and understanding in their lives expanding it further and further, covering the whole of Melbourne. The whole of Victoria, the whole of Australia, and the whole world, all the realms of existence, all beings, wherever they are, whatever types of beings they are, that they may have this contentment and understanding or insight into their experience. And we can Make the aspiration to develop more awareness of this body and this mind, both internally, externally, and also the arising and passing away of this body and aspect, different aspects of mind. Not only on the cushion, but in our daily life. We can see these things happening. And now we can ask ourselves how we feel now. Do we feel different from before? And what stood out for us during the meditation? What did we learn? And what were the causes for what I experienced during the meditation? Slowly open the eyes and move the body to make ourselves more comfortable.
So I hope now I can ask if there are any comments, questions or complaints. Comments, questions or complaints. As I usually say, I'm very pleased if there are not. <laughs> no, no written ones. Yes, all right. So, so very, very good. I hope uh, you know f through this meditation that uh, you know you were able uh, to develop that inner smile, that inner contentment. This is something that's very useful during the meditation, but it's useful in our lives. So, we can use that in our daily lives in other other settings besides meditation, and it's it's a very good. A thing to be able to develop these inner qualities, that uh, positive qualities, that can uh, help with the meditation, but also help with our lives. You know, whatever we're experiencing in our lives, so that you know we build up these muscles of uh, positive muscles in the mind of contentment, happiness. These these states of mind that really nourish the mind and reduce the negative qualities in the mind. And in the end, when we, if we develop this uh, more and more, it becomes a habit of the mind. We, we usually like to emphasize mindfulness because mindfulness is a choice, but there are a lot of habits we run on. <laughs> so it's very useful if we can, as it were, replace some of the negative habits with the positive ones. And it's very easy to see what we're getting out of it, you know, because it leads to happiness, it leads to less problems and troubles in our lives. So this is very useful, developing these uh, positive states of mind, positive emotions, but also um, to, to develop insight into what we're experiencing, understanding what we're experiencing. And insight is really, um, as Ayakima used to say, understood experience. But the emphasis, as you can see, you know, in uh, what I, the guiding I gave, really shows us the universal aspect because this is where insight really develops. It's not only myself breathing, everybody's breathing. It's quite interesting. <laughs> you think of everybody breathing in a room, you, know, you can see these lungs going and, and, and all beings all over the planet just breathing and uh, to recognize this as, you know, one of the, an experience that's happening and the feelings that come with that, pleasant, unpleasant and neutral. There's no problem when the, the breath is, uh, um, the, we're not having problems breathing, but if we have asthma or anything like that, then it's, uh, we become much, much more aware of the breath. It's unpleasant, but it also reminds us that without the breath, we die pretty quickly. So the universal aspect of that is very important and to see the conditions for it arising, persisting and passing away or rising, really pausing and passing away, um, we see impermanence as well. So in doing those two contemplations we can see the impersonal, the universal aspect of the breath, the body, the mental experiences we have, but we can also see the arising and the 
passing away of those things, which is an important thing to see because we don't usually pay attention to the impermanence, the change in things very much, often due to the uh, pace of our lives, but also because we are more interested in the starting of things, not the, not the ending of things, not seeing the whole cycle of experience. And then, of course, just to be mindful of the that this is just the breath. And the hope, you know, towards the end, when we get that feeling of um, this just being the breath and that we don't have to identify with it, it's sort of, you know, I feel when I get to that stage that it's, it's liberating, you know, it's liberating. You don't have to identify with the breath or any of these aspects of the body and the mind. I don't have to own them. They don't have to, don't have to take them personally, which is a, a nice feeling actually because it takes the burden off, off the mind, um, you know, this, this sense of identity, of identifying with things, owning things, really creates a burden for us. Yes, I can see Langdon's got, I think, a few questions from... from is that right? Thank you, Arjun. Yes, yes, there are a couple of questions from the online audience. All right. Yes, see if I... There's a question from England, or the United Kingdom. How to balance the inner world with the outer world? I can feel the pull from the mm. outside, but I know I have to stay centred. Uh, hopefully, you know, really... Um, because the the inner world we really develop actually often becomes the experience of our outer world. So the qualities we develop inside we start to experience outside. So how to, how to balance that is um, in in a sense we don't need to worry too much. Um, I feel anyway we don't need to worry too much. The you know, there, it's a flow between the, the inner and the outer, as we did in this meditation, you know. And to recognize that our experience is actually uh, a common experience, a universal experience. So, in a sense, that creates a relationship, not a tension, you know. Because <laughs> quite often we want to retreat into an inner world when we don't like the outer world. <laughs> And that's a very common experience that people have. But the recognition that, you know, what we're experiencing and what others experience is of a similar nature. It's impermanent. It doesn't last. It changes. It's not going to completely satisfy the person. There's no permanent happiness. And there's no permanent me or a permanent them out there so that we can flow with life. But very much what we experience in the world is a projection from our side. <laughs> so if we have very uh, positive emotions, very uh, um, positive uh, thoughts, then the world we experience tends to be similar nature, actually. And we attract people like that, like-minded. So I don't know if that answers, <laughs> answers that question a bit, a bit. We can hope so. And the second question from New Zealand this time, Oh, closer. What are the ways of reducing inner chatter during the day to help calm the mind and improve meditation? Right, to quiet the inner chatter during the day, yes. And that's uh, very useful is to uh, keep a, some sort of reference point for the, the mind. You know, the breath can be, and that may be a bit subtle, 
But even, you know, things like rubbing the fingers together can bring us back to the present moment. Um, these things can be very useful just to um, to give the mind a reference point. But often the Buddha would recommend uh, sati sampajanya, so just being aware of whatever is happening, you know, uh, in the body and what we're experiencing, just using that as uh, like a reference, but temporary reference point. Um, also, you know, the the only reason the inner chatter is becomes a problem is because we're more interested in that <laughs> than what we are experiencing, actually. Or we're usually sometimes commentating, aren't we? We're describing what we're experiencing. <laughs> so that can be the other aspect to it. But really... You know, just to turn the attention to whatever we're experiencing, even if it's the inner chatter, noticing that is is uh, is something actually. It's realizing what's going on, and it may give rise to an understanding why the inner chatter comes up. You know, and of course, the big support for the inner chatter, the support that the inner chatter gives, is this sense of I, <laughs> me. <laughs> And that's why people find it a bit scary when the inner chatter dies. If there's silence, complete silence in the mind, it's quite stunning. But it also, you know, some, it can be fearful for people because this sense of I'm thinking, you know, and this thinking really gives us a sense of me, I'm here, you know. So, and it's my thinking. That's that's one of the problems, actually. If we own the thinking, then it's... Uh, um, then it becomes, we, we can make a problem of it. But if we think of the thinking as being like overhearing a conversation in the bus or the train, you know, how interested are we in, in that? It's somebody else's conversation, you know. Uh, and if we can develop that sort of detachment from it, you know, just think, wow, it's like somebody else's conversation. Um, but as I say, the main thing, not to own it. Yeah, so I hope that's a, been a help. So now I think time to finish off. It's nine o'clock, uh, by this clock actually, it's, it's a little bit fast I think. And just to invite everyone to, uh, on Saturday there's a, re a retreat day, so that'll be from 8.30 till 4.30 and everybody's welcome if you can bring your lunch, that's good. And uh, so that will be on uh, Saturday. And then on Sunday we're expecting um, the Korean-trained Australian nun, Venerable Chi Kwang Sunin, to give the talk. But now I think Chinta would just like to make an announcement about the another retreat, and this is the one in March, which will be a seven-day retreat here. There we are. Would you like to give the... You've got the... Oh, there we are. You've got the microphone. Good, good. Perhaps everyone knows by now that we are holding a retreat here and in these premises in March. Uh, that's uh, going to be facilitated with uh, by uh, Ajahn Brahmali from Perth. So the first day of the retreat will be the 7th of March, but registrations are on, open now. You can go online and uh, make your do your registrations because it's only by pre-booking. It's not open for casual drop-ins. Uh, it's a seven-day retreat starting from 7th to the 13th of March. And uh, 
all details you'll be able to get online. If you go to BSV uh, website, under teachings, under events, I think. It's under events, under retreats. And the link is there for you to go through try bookings to get yourselves registered. And uh, priority registration is actually open for current members of BSV. And later on, we will open it out to uh, non-members as well, depending on availability, because the premises is small, so we have the constraints to have limit the number. And there is a, a poster on the, uh, just outside, as you exit from the room, you can get an idea of what it is. All right, that's all I need to say. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Shinta. And I think you can come three days or seven days, can't you? You've got the two options. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, because yes. some people can't uh, get the yeah, seven days. Once again, priority will be for seven days, but there is an option for three days or seven days. When we say three days, seventh, eighth, ninth, and ninth happens to be a public holiday. So there may be a demand for that, uh, those three days too. For those who would like to, we can pay respects to the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha and finish off for this evening. And the rain is finished and no hail. <laughs> <laughs>